Did you know that you have rights? The Constitution says you do, and so do we. Better call Triple Click. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. Today we are talking about this summer's big news from Rockstar changing its ways to unionization all across the industry. Let's get to it, shall we? I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Kirk Hamilton. And I'm Maddie Myers. It's us! Hello! Hello! <laughs> Hello. It is us for another episode. We're going to start every show with a long pause. No <laughs> weird pauses here. There are never weird pauses on Triple Click because I edit them all out. No. <laughs> We're supposed to all say hello at the same time. That's how right. we start That's the true. show. That's what that we is. do. Every time. I think one day we should start the show by being like, I'm Jason Shire, I'm Maddie Myers, I'm Kirk Hamilton, and I'm Poochie, the talking dog. <laughs> like, we need a surprise guest Yeah. Just, we like, Right, a totally crazy voice just comes in and surprises me. And I'm Shigeru Miyamoto. But but honestly, Poochie should like be in the middle. Like we should put Poochie and or Shigeru in the middle of it. And and, and then it's like, and I'm Kirk Hamilton, like at the end, and everyone's like, wait, what's happening right now? And we just don't mention it. It's like it didn't even happen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's I mean Miyamoto's just sitting in Jason's office. He's just here for the pod. He's just here. Jason always brings some guests. It's very thoughtful of him for this. I do. Well don't you guys remember last week when I I, had of course. We were here for that. This was a this was a callback for for people. But it was not Tetsuya Takashi or Shigeru Miyamoto. It was just the no. guy who lives here. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's that's the separate. You, you wouldn't thing. know him. He's not famous. Jason's yeah. roommate. You got to have some roommates in this housing market. You know? Yeah, you do. You really do. Um, speaking of <laughs> housing markets, help us sure. all buy houses by becoming a Max Fund <laughs> member today. Um, the three of us, we make this show entirely supported by listeners. You might notice we don't have any ads. No companies are sponsoring us, uh, despite uh, Kirk's love for Roomba, which, by the way, <laughs> did you see that they're getting bought by Amazon, the Roomba people? I did. Even, we really got to kill the Roomba report for good. Wow. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. Well, you know, we're using a need we use a Nido robot vac now and not a Roomba. Oh, wow. So, so even my brands. personal Roomba sponsorship is over. <laughs> anyway, um, if you want to help us support the show and make the show possible, you can become a MaxFund member. Join the MaxFund yeah. network. Go to MaximumFund.org slash join and sign up today for as little as $5 a month. You get access to a whole bunch of bonus content, including monthly bonus episodes from us. We just ran last week an episode about the MCU where we checked in on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this month we are recording a bonus episode that I am incredibly excited about. Yeah. We are going to talk about Better Call Saul, one of the best shows yeah. possibly ever made. Um, and full spoilers. We are going to spill the beans. Full spoilers. The show ends, yes. uh, I believe, next week. And so it we does. will be spoiling it um, a couple weeks later like at the end of August our Beanscast is going to run so it mm-hmm. gives you all time to catch up to rewatch the whole series whatever you'd like but I imagine this Beanscast is going to focus pretty like skew towards the end but we'll be talking about the whole series Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the lucky person who decides right now to just watch all of Better Call Saul before oh our cast? I can't even imagine. I mean, I decided that only a couple months ago, and it's yeah. been extremely fun. I feel like I started watching it at exactly the right time. So hopefully everybody else listening was also convinced by both of you yeah. talking about it on this very show. Oh, and they're finishing just in time right along with me. You're it's in perfect. for such a treat. Maddie, Maddie just told us before we started recording that she is... <laughs> Last night, I was I saw Dina and I watched the season mid season finale. finale. Yeah, so I'm at the perfect stopping point. 
Good and stuff. Then we'll continue watching it. So it's really not a stopping point at all because no. such is the age of television in 2022. If you want to hear our unvarnished thoughts on Better Call Saul, go to maximumfun.org slash join and you will get that bonus episode later this month. All right. One more thing before we start with the show. Um, we are doing, as we announced last week, we are doing a book club, a triple click book club, a triple read, a book called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin it is uh, kind of a video game theme book. It's about game developers. We will all be reading it and discussing it on September 9th. And we would like you all to join us. Yeah, you should read along. Yeah, I'm reading it right now. It's really, really good so far. It's a great book. So you're all in for a treat if you haven't read it yet. Sorry, September 8th. I said 9th. September 8th. I said 9th. It's 8th. Um, Thursday, yes. September 8th, we will be uh, we will be doing a book club coming then. All right. Today's episode is a summer news roundup. We don't often talk about like the daily, the weekly video game news here on this podcast of ours, here on this old triple click. But we do, every once in a while, like to check in on the news of... Du jour, the news yeah, du jour. Yeah, what's the news up to, mm. I, I say du, to myself. Du month. What's, what's the, the French version of month? Well, how do you say month in French? Du jour, du, du month. Um, however you say I'm it. I'm blanking. Don't you guys, yeah, nothing Maddie, like don't the you word French? month. I know. I know. Um, so uh, we figured we'd pick out a bunch of stories and just talk about them because there's some really interesting stories that have happened over the past few weeks um, since uh, since Fakey 3 happened, which I think was the last time we talked about news. So let's get on with it, shall we? Let's talk about some news stories. Let's. Um, or Kirk is looking up the word month in French. First. Yeah, you can just tell Kirk is Googling some French right now. You can, uh, it's, I can tell from his face. It's moi. It's, yeah, moi. moi? Okay. okay. The news du moi. The news du moi. It doesn't have quite the same ring to it as news du jour. No. Um, all right. First up in the headlines, Bungie is suing, quote unquote, fans. So Bungie, this is really interesting. Bungie, the makers of Destiny, um, recently purchased by Sony. So now the Sony-owned makers of Destiny. They are going out and like actively pursuing not only cheaters in Destiny, people who are like cheating in the game, but also people who are sending them threats and uh, impersonating employees and doing all sorts of shitty gamer the capital G behavior. <laughs> and so... Gotta watch out for that capital G. Uh, a couple out. of years ago, there's this great Axios article that will by our, our former colleague Stephen Totillo that we'll link, link in the show notes, um, where he talked to new Bungie general counsel Don McGowan, who has gone on this crusade to like take down these aggressive players. Um, and so really, I mean, like Bungie employees have apparently been harassed so badly and getting threats and stuff. And some of these details are out there, like actual transcripts and like quotes from the threats they've been getting. So uh, Bungie, instead of just like sitting back and taking it, they're like, screw this. We're like going after these people. We're going to take these people to court. And it's really interesting. McGowan, their new general counsel, has this strategy. And he's like, uh, this is this is a great quote from Axios. He says, um, as their lawyer, my team and I have a set of skills that make it possible for us to defend them as well. The integrity <laughs> of our place experience. Extremely Neeson-ish mm -hmm. thing to say. Straight, mm -hmm. straight out of Taken. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think of this? I think this is interesting. I mean, it's a shift. It's a big shift in approach, at least from what we've gotten used to over the last 10 or 15 years of the sort of consumer first, we love our fans, they can be passionate sometimes, but, uh -huh. you know, 
we love their passion and they're the lifeblood of this <laughs> yep. operation to suddenly, okay, too much passion, guys. We'll see you in court, yep. which is a pretty significant, <laughs> a pretty significant change. That's something you'd see on an E3 stage. Yeah. <laughs> too much passion. We'll see so, you in court. Dial down the passion about It's running a 50%. little white hot over there with the passion. Come on. Come on. It is hurting Simmer us. It down. Yeah, we do we do this all for you, the fans, but not really. Mm-hmm. Well, not those fans who are who are only some threatening fans. us and are right. threatening right. us with bodily harm. I mean, some of these threats are really scary, like yeah. personal no, and intense and violent. So yeah, right. these are really just like and they're lawsuit worthy. These are clearly like not well people. Yeah, right. And the lawsuits also center on you know cheating mm-hmm. and showing people how to cheat and streaming cheating in the game and that kind of thing too. Or like so. stealing items, selling items, making videos about right. how to do that. I mean, those are the kinds of things that make sense to crack down on. Right. It's taking a sort of firmer hand in general, I guess, with how people use the thing that you made and do own and not kind of it's just like taking back a little bit of ownership i guess of the game from the fans which is you know i mean it's good to see in this instance because it seems like a lot of this behavior was beyond the pale but also it it does feel a little bit weird to cheer like a large corporation going after people who use its products in court. I mean, like, just as a broad thing, I certainly have mixed feelings about that, especially if it becomes a general trend outside of this specific instance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is there a slippery slope here where, like, suddenly they're going after fans for, like, more gray stuff? What if they start going after fans? What if Nintendo started going after fans for emulating their games? Mm -hmm. Like, when... when, uh, and, And they have... Nintendo has gone after people who are, like... Uh, the architects of emulation software, but like, what if they just start going after fans? Like, is there a slippery slope here? Um, and I don't think anyone would justify the behavior, the death threats, and like the nasty behavior from some of these fans. But it does raise an interesting question of like who you're really rooting for and what you're really rooting for there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, reading this. Um, Polygon has an article just sort of rounding up just the harassment story and DMG04 the community manager at uh, Bungie working on Destiny. I remember, this is a sort of old school Destiny thing, but DMG was a poster on um, DTG, on the Destiny the Game subreddit, who was elevated to become a community manager. So I've been following, I mean, I've been aware of him for a very long time. Um, It was kind of Deej was the community manager at, um, at Bungie for a long time, and then DMG got kind of elevated, and it was interesting watching a guy who had been a really active member of the community suddenly be at Bungie and like have his responsibilities change, his level of knowledge change, and then over time, I mean, that was a long time ago. Now he's you know become a, a whole fixture at that um, at that studio, and seeing him talk about you know the kinds of harassment they're getting this how scary this has been how intense it's been it's just a sort of an interesting wrinkle for uh, you know for me as a longtime destiny player and also um i was struck by the fact that he tried to really reiterate like this isn't a punishment we're not trying to punish players this is really about protecting our workers and our employees and that's seems to be how they're trying to to emphasize this you know what they're doing here it's not like we want to punish the bad gamers, even though it's really easy to see it that way. They're really seeing this as a sort of labor work, you know, work safety issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it should be noted that Bungie, I think, is is pretty, pretty well regarded as like a good place to work. A lot of people have really positive things to say, especially recently about working there. Um, mm-hmm. And it does, it feels, you feel really helpless when you're the victim of these kinds of attacks. And there are um, different organizations have tried 
different methods of like helping protect. We've seen this in journalism, helping protect people who are like under attack. Some companies have gotten it better than others for sure. And this seems like a new level of that, but it's like, uh, it's really, you don't know what to do when you have this just like with, whether you're being barraged on social media, like getting a barrage of threats on social media or nasty messages or whatever, or, or actually getting death threats, like sent to your house, it can feel really helpless. And that's one of the worst parts. Yeah, I think looking at this in terms of a sort of broader context, you can see this alongside some of the other stories that we're about to talk about, all of which represent a sort of stronger focus on workers. Because, you know, in so many industries, workers have more power now than they did even a few years ago. And you can start to see that. I mean, I'm not saying all of these things are necessarily just for that reason, but you do see there's a kind of a broader trend here toward these companies taking more steps to protect their workers, which seems like a good thing to me, at least as a, you know, as a supporter of workers' rights in general. Mm. Um, yeah, well, let's move on, shall we? So the next story, um, this is a story on Bloomberg.com. Um, Never heard of it. It's about... No. Reported by some guy. <laughs> reported by some guy about Rockstar Games. And so uh turns out Rockstar Games has made a lot of changes over the past four years. As mm. you guys will certainly remember, around the time that Red Dead 2 launched, um, there was a kind of uh, firestorm uh, of controversy that was set off by Dan Hauser, one of the co-founders and heads of the company, talking about working 100-hour work weeks. Um, basically, he said that as kind of a throwaway line and everybody kind of uh, leaped on it. Um, and then he made things much, much worse by saying, actually, it's just a few of us that are working those kinds of hours because uh, when he walked that back, that's what really pissed off his employees who were like, no, actually, we're all working those kinds of hours. Um, anyway, long story yeah. short, it led to a widespread reckoning at the company and the company kind of said, hey, we want to change our ways. And really, we've seen a lot of worker reckonings recently and I think this one is the one that has A, been the quietest and B, had the most effect so far. So far, I say, because there's no unions here and the union-led organization might why have bigger effects in the long run, but so far. Um, and so what happened was I spoke to about uh, a little more than 20 people, 20-something people um, who either work there now or left very recently. So people who have seen these changes in action and got the sense that this is like going to be a more, this is just Rockstar trying to be a more progressive company in a lot of ways. They're like... Um, uh, uh, sending out donation like money to everybody and bonuses to everybody when the pandemic started. Um, Black Lives Matter, they're saying like, we'll match Black Lives Matter donations. They're sending out care packages. They're like adding more mental health benefits and breaks and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they added this this policy at a bunch of their studios called Flex Time, where like yeah. Flexi Time, where you I was really uh, surprised you, by that one in this article. Yeah, that's a cool one where like basically it's how overtime should work, which is like you work an extra hour, you get to take an extra hour the next week or whatever you work an extra you work a weekend you get to take two days off mm -hmm. that that following week that's what they've implemented um caveat here being with all these changes that like they're still not they're still a couple years off from the end of grand theft auto 6 their next game but uh but but things are people there are pretty hopeful and optimistic for the most part some people are frustrated with the changes especially some old old timer folks some people are frustrated with how slow progress has been on gta 6 mm. this is a game uh, the, the article also has some more insight on that that game which has been in development in some form or another since 2014 which is right after gta 5 um launched uh but it's worth noting that like a bunch of those i think the entire company essentially was pulled off to work on red dead 2 so it's not like gta 6 has been in constant production since then um 
but yeah, um, some insight on that is that it has a female protagonist, which I can finally share with the world now that the story is out there. I wanted to share it with you guys last time we were talking about GTA, but <laughs> resisted the urge. Um, has two two heroes, two playable heroes. One is male, one is female. Heroes, um, you say, in a Grand yeah. Theft Auto game. Cat protagonist. <laughs> Maybe anti-heroes. Yeah. I mean this in the sense of hero. It's like H-I-R-O, yes, yes. like in Snow Crash. They're, they're <laughs> yeah, both they're both the hero sure, protagonist, if you will. Um, they're the yes, Jimmy yes. and Cam. And I think, yes. Exactly. I think they're uh, they're trying to punch down less in this one. That's not to say it's not going to be like a big satire that is like throwing bombs and a bunch of stuff. But I think we'll see fewer jokes, if any, about trans people, mm-hmm. about minority, like punching down some uh, minorities, that sort of thing. Um, the way you might see even like... Uh, the throwaway jokes on like a truck you might see like what was that truck in GTA it was like post-op or something like as a Ugh. as a trans joke for the trucks like that sort of thing which they took that stuff out right yes, yeah they did in they the did. re-release um, of the game yes. which almost shows how they've already been changing exactly internally. exactly and I think I think, of course, naturally, there was all, the, all sorts of like backlash from conservative media to my article being like, GTA going woke, they're going to go broke. Mm-hmm. And if you think GTA is going woke, I think you're in for a rude awakening. <laughs> or like, going this game broke. Is gonna be, <laughs> or going yeah, broke right. for that matter. Or, yeah. <laughs> I don't think either of those things is really happening. Uh, this game is going to be foul and like... Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a GTA game. I just think like you'll see less of the kind of punching down and more like um, questions about like what does it mean to be a GTA game. And uh, I, I think I think after playing Red Dead Two, I have a lot of faith in those writers because I thought Red Dead Red Dead Two just did a phenomenal job of telling a story. So I think it'll be interesting. Anyway, what did you guys make of of that story and all the changes at Rockstar? Yeah, I'm really excited about this one because I remember even at the time. Uh, people were talking in 2015 people were like well why doesn't GTA have a female protagonist yet because it was like right after Gamergate that kind of conversation was happening a lot in 2015 people were really pushing back against a culture that had been a part of games since the 90s and it just felt like that game came out at a weird time and I remember the fact that it had multiple male protagonists was a really big part of the way that people talked about it. I'm not saying that's unfair but it was definitely a big part of the conversation and this feels like both a correction in the sense that would have disappointed me at the time where it's like oh are they just doing this because they're trying to be trendy but it doesn't Mm. sound like that's the situation from your article Jason. It sounds instead like over the past five years or seven years, however long since it's been since they really were thinking about the last GTA, uh, they've changed as a company and video games have changed a lot. And it's just cool to see a company doing that in a normal way as opposed to what we might call the riot or the blizzard, Activision Blizzard way, where there's a hell of a lot of tragic reporting about something. That's not to say there wasn't on Rockstar as well, but there's not like as much. It's been different. I I don't know. It's hard to compare these massive Mm. structures to one another in a coherent way. But this feels more like internally people were making a lot of decisions that pushed the needle without being told by a government entity that they had to or else they were going to have to pay damages for it, which is like a little different. I think the Rockstar stuff got less attention Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Um, The the big outcry was about crunch, but later it started coming out that there was a lot more. I ran a story on Kotaku the following year about um, one of their top guys, Geronimo Barrera, who was accused to uh, sexually assault Mm -hmm. uh, an employee named Colin who spoke out 
out uh, by name in the article. Mm-hmm. Geronimo Barrera denied the allegations. Um, and uh, I wrote a lot about like the kind of bro culture that surrounded Rockstar, the excursions to strip clubs yeah. and like heavy drinking and all that sort of thing. That is like essentially what Activision was then gone after last yeah. year. And again, I've said this before on this show, but like the only difference between Activision and other companies is that Activision was sued by California. Exactly. Like, every exactly. company has had the exact same problems. But uh, yeah, I think Rockstar, just for whatever reason, I, I don't know why, maybe it was a failure of my reporting, maybe it was just like, for whatever reason, sometimes these things don't gain traction. Um, maybe It did not get the same level of attention or level of reporting from other outlets. Um, there were no other, no other outlet has like done that sort of reporting on Rockstar. So the way that a lot of outlets did on Activision, mm-hmm. for example. So yeah, so I, I don't know. And Ubisoft um, also Journalism has changed. Yeah, journalism has changed. Yeah, there's a lot more, a lot more in-depth games reporting and people who are pursuing uh, journalism than there was even a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's that's been uh, a big difference. But yeah, I mean, Rockstar had those same issues, and that's a big part. One thing I didn't mention earlier is that one of their big parts of their whole change has been getting rid of a lot of the, the bad apples, quote unquote, and that to a lot of people. Yeah, which your mm-hmm. article describes, which is hard to do because some of that is culture too. Like even if you get rid of a few people and even if they're at the top and they're really influencing culture, it's hard to actually make really big changes. Like the flex time you're describing would be such a huge cultural difference for people to get used to compared to a hundred hour weeks. It's hard to even fathom how big of a difference that must be for people. And then you put on top of that just something like, and GTA isn't going to punch down. It's like, whoa, those are huge changes. Like, it's just a couple mm-hmm. sentences. But if you think about that in practice, how wildly different that would be in terms of the project you're working on, how you feel when you're working on it, it would be totally different in every way. Um all right, moving on. Uh, another Bloomberg story. Knights of the Old Republic remake is in trouble. Uh, this is so you guys might remember last year, the Knights of the Old Republic remake was announced with just a logo, which itself is probably a bad sign. <laughs> Anytime anything is announced with just a logo, it means we don't have anything. And that that is generally bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're saying God of War Ragnarok is going to be bad because it also announced with just a logo. Interesting. <laughs> interesting, Jason. Go on. Um, interesting. <laughs> Well, when they announced, they said 2021, and we all know how that turned out, right? I know. I'm just teasing you. There are many games that announced with just a logo. It's common, tragically. Um, yeah, but it's always bad. It, it always means they're going to be delayed or that something is going awry behind the scenes. If a game is not such a logo. It's certainly a very strong sign that the game is going to be yeah. delayed. Yes, I agree. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, got to that. That announcement was 2021. And it couldn't, barely, they're barely making 2022. So. I'm, trying, I'm not <laughs> trying to distract you. Back, back to Knights of the Old Republic. Anyway, so this, this <laughs> game is in development at Aspire, which is a studio that probably not a lot of people have heard of it's in austin texas and it was previously known for porting games for bringing games from one platform to another mostly to like ios and mac os and so they never really had a big budget production quite like this which is likely one of the biggest factors behind the reason that it's in trouble so um 
the original idea for this, I remember when I was first hearing about this a couple of years ago, like late 2019, like 2020, around there. Um, first of all, I was like, whoa, like someone outside of EA is making a Star Wars game? That's crazy. Um, second, I was like, so what is this? Is it supposed to be like a remaster or a remake? And the answer I kept hearing from people was like, we're not sure. And I was like, rut row. <laughs> and so it turns out this, this game might have suffered from scope creep. It might have suffered from the kind of classic game development problems. Anyway, so what happened in July was they uh, they had a vertical slice planned, a demo planned, and uh, after they delivered it, the company kind of abruptly fired their art director and design director, and then they told the whole studio, hey, this project is on pause while we figure out what's Wild. next. And they said, we're going to look for other contracts and stuff. And it's kind of a disaster over there. Um, people are very, very clamped down and hesitant to talk because they're terrified of Disney, fun fact. Mm. Um, but uh, but mm. yeah, I was able to to get get enough of the story to be able to report it. And yeah, that game, if it ever happens, it will likely be finished by somebody else. There are rumors that Saber, which is um, part of the same parent company uh, as Aspire, Aspire is owned by like the Embracer Group, which also owns Saber Interactive. Saber Interactive is this huge company that has like all these different branches all across the world including in russia um although they might have renamed or pulled out of russia or something i don't know but um so the rumor is that they might take over but uh not clear i would say don't get your hopes up for seeing this game mm-hmm. is my my advice um yeah unfortunate situation yeah. pause sounds like a breakup it's like let's put let's put our relationship on hold we're pausing this it doesn't it doesn't yeah bode well especially for a video game that has an entire demo made for it there's definitely like different levels of trouble (laughs) that games can be in in development and you can you kind of have to read the tea Uh leaves to tell and this one seems pretty serious mostly because they just announced it i mean i didn't even have long enough to really think about or internalize the fact that there was going to be a knights of the old republic remake and then here oh whoop nope never mind it's on pause it's in trouble Uh so it's uh you know it's a little bit of an easy come easy go situation but um but yeah i mean it's a bummer it's a bummer for everyone working on it who i'm sure had put in a lot of work and now doesn't you know faces an uncertain future and i would play a knights of the old republic remake mm-hmm. i like knights of the old republic so hopefully someone makes one someday yeah that would have been cool really it's so depressing it's like uh i saw a tweet circulating the other day when the whole batgirl thing happened when wb yes. announced that even though batgirl is completely finished they're not going to release it and someone was like yeah this is what happens every day in the industry <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah there it's like i can't even imagine how painful it must be and i'm so lucky to have never gone through this to um spend years of your life on something potentially or months at the very least and then it just fizzles into nothing, and it's like we'll never be seen by anyone. You can't put it on your on your your reel. You can't put con- the concept art on your website, or else it'll get taken by Reddit and like plastered everywhere, and you'll get in trouble. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of so sad. And God, yet another reason. I have a giant check, uh, a notepad full of reasons why I would never go into game development. <laughs> it's just one of, one of many. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, fair. So speaking of speaking of things that are a mess, um, Ubisoft, you guys might have heard, Ubisoft is a mess. Man, Ubisoft has been really struggling recently. I don't know how much you guys have been paying attention, but their year this year is really, really bleak. I've, I've really just rain. been waking up every day going, I can't wait to play Skull and Bones. And you're telling me that that's the wrong mindset <laughs> to have? Because I've been, I've been saying that for literally years, every single day. I think that's... 
I think that's the only time those words have been uttered in combination. <laughs> Honestly, like jokes aside, if they had somehow made it happen this year, I feel like it would have been their time because pirates are so back in. Like our flag means death is so popular right now. It is sea happening of thieves, this year, etc. Skull and Bones is. I believe it when I see year. it. <laughs> no, it definitely is because they have all sorts of like that game is complicated. It should have been canceled years ago, but it can't be because um, Ubisoft has this contract with the Singapore government government with the Malaysian government uh and so they cannot actually uh like they can't actually cancel right their they have to so put have something to release out a it's just time. who knows what it'll be they got all sorts of money from the government to do it um yeah that game is a disaster but also there was supposed to be an avatar game this yes. year that was can't that was delayed um supposed to be an assassin's creed game this fiscal year it was supposed to come out in february that was delayed to like may or june or something like that um so yeah just like one one miss after another for ubisoft a company that was once just like on top of, of uh, the world with like its new far cries and assassin's creeds every year mm-hmm. yeah they've they've sort of lost a step somehow or other because in addition to the things you mentioned I mean Far Cry 6 is widely seen as a big disappointment by fans of Far Cry I played some of it and it was pretty boring like it was pretty repetitive it kind of just felt like another Far Cry game Giancarlo Esposito was not enough to save that game <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so people aren't happy about that if you played as him maybe it'd be enough. yeah that'd be maybe cool. I don't know though if you not if you were playing that same boring Far Cry stuff mm-hmm. and and there's also um, Ghost Recon, which has like yeah. been a total mess. I haven't played one of those games in a long time, but I keep seeing articles and headlines about various things that are announced and then canceled. Yeah. NFTs, they, yeah. they put in NFTs. They've got like that. whatever, that a Battle Royale. They had the NFT thing that is huge. So that's like, it just seems like they're constantly stepping in it, constantly feeling, oh, there's not to mention Beyond Good and Evil 2, oh, right. which yes. like has a lot of turnover that just seems to be in also development. Yeah, yeah. Was announced forever yeah. ago is with, with a CGI trailer that like mm. they've never really showed the game. It just seems like that's never coming out, even though people were excited. So, I do wind up thinking, what does Ubisoft have? And this is as someone who is a longtime fan of a lot of Ubisoft games. And like, I like, you know, Watch Dogs 2, and I like Far Cry 2, and I like a lot of Assassin's Creed games, and I like Prince of Persia. I like so many things that they have that they can draw from. I like the first Beyond of Good and Evil. And yet, they keep not coming up with new stuff. And it feels like it's been years at this point. I mean, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, notwithstanding, everything else has kind of been a disaster. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. It's not mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, I think Assassin's Creed Rift is kind of a good microcosm of Ubisoft as a whole and their problems. So here's what happened with that game. So Yves Guillemont, uh, on a recent Ubisoft earnings call, essentially blamed working from home for all their problems and their delays. was like, we're still getting used to working from home, blah, blah, blah. Production challenges <laughs> for working from home. I mean, it could be some truth to yeah, that. You should yeah. say. Like it could, well, it, it could well, be a hard thing to adjust to. Okay, you know? so, so here's what happened with Assassin's Creed Rift. So... Um, this is supposed to be, so there's supposed to be this thing, this Basim thing, uh, Basim from Assassin's Creed Valhalla is supposed to get a DLC, right? Um, Ubisoft looks ahead at their calendar. They say, hey, we have a gap in this fiscal year. Let's delay this uh, Basim DLC and turn it into a full game. But also, instead of making it Valhalla style, let's turn it back into like an old, sc- old school Assassin's Creed game where you're like sneaking around and like doing whatever. I don't know the specifics, but sneaking around. I assume. Okay, like, honestly, this all sounds. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah that that general good. description sounds pretty cool. I'm, I'm into that. Except you only get like X number of months to do it and you have to do it in the same engine like with all this RPG okay, that's stuff. That's less cool. Mm-hmm, sounds mm-hmm. less that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> and you have to 
you have to hit this fiscal year, like essentially make a new game mm-hmm. in like half a ta- time it would take to make a new game. And then when it turns out that you need a delay because you can't actually make it in all that time, we're going to blame working from home <laughs> on those problems. <laughs> we're going to say it's because you're working from right, home. Right, a convenient scapegoat. Oof. It's good they delayed it at least. And that actually does sound promising i mean like that the idea of taking assassin's creed back to just being in a city and sneaking around and doing assassinations mm-hmm. is cool with me because i don't need it to become even more of an open world yeah thing. so that yeah. sounds fine all of those specifics notwithstanding yeah yeah and it's made by uh ubisoft bordeaux uh one of mm. their french offices um at least they're leading and i'm sure as with all ubisoft things yeah. it's being made scattershot all across the, the world but uh, but yeah no it's it's interesting times I'm looking forward to that game too and uh, I think that they're gonna announce it in September it's still not announced believe it or not they're gonna announce mm. it in September and maybe even hint at like Assassin's Creed Infinity and the whole future of Assassin's Creed so that'll be fun to to hear about and talk about yeah. when that actually happens I'd much rather the small scale Assassin's Creed game that is uh-huh. purposefully uh-huh. scoped as opposed to Assassin's Creed Infinity whatever the heck that's going to be yeah well. Infinity, I don't think Infinity is just like the platform, like it's the skeleton for these other. So the idea is that instead of just like releasing a new game every year, you have this one thing that this that it gets modules or biomes attached to it, and you log in through the platform. And I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but like so, uh, the first year they're like, hey, now you get to go to Japan through Assassin's Creed Infinity, and then the next year they're like, oh, now you get to go to this other place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also it'd just be nice to hear something not Assassin's Creed that is mm-hmm. exciting for me True, because it's been a long time. There is a new Mario and Rabbids game coming out this fall. I'm excited yeah, for that. Yeah, but that's also oh, Nintendo, that. so that almost doesn't mm. count. No, it's made by Ubisoft. I mean, Nintendo supervises. No, but... I know, but it's like a Nintendo property. Like, I mean, it's, like... Not, a, it's not a new IP. Sure. Kirk wants a new IP. Or, you know, a new Watch Dogs <laughs> game that sounds really cool, or just something, like something that Ubisoft has that is a Ubisoft-y thing that's exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's tragic about Ubisoft is that they always have like all these new incubation projects in the works and so many of them get cancelled. Someone was just telling me the other day um, about like this promising new project in in Toronto that was like this original game and bam it was cancelled. So like this sort of thing happens all the time unfortunately. I think Ubisoft's problem and this is actually a really widespread problem that not enough people are talking about is a severe lack of senior staff because they're having so much trouble hiring. Mm. Um, Pretty much every game company is having so much trouble hiring and in fact um we can get to this a little bit later but i just saw for axis just delay their game their marvel xcom game midnight yep. Suns. and the first thing i did when i saw that was like i looked at their website and of course their their website under careers is like a lead role lead role lead role lead role senior role senior role senior role like all they're hiring is lead mm. and senior roles and so many it seems like all these companies just have so many vacancies because all that burnout that people did to video game developers is finally coming to bite bite these companies in the ass that combined with like the big great resignation that is leading everyone to switch jobs and you just have like every single company is just like severely lacking staff mm. so i think mm. that's a, a huge problem for ubisoft it does that makes sense um I skipped over this one actually. A wave of unionization, lots of uh, lots of unionizing happening. Uh, Raven unionized. They were the first uh, big North American company to do it. They're QA testers, and then another group of Activision QA testers. This time at the company formerly known as Vicarious Visions in Albany, now known as like Blizzard New York or whatever. Um, they are also unionizing. So it's it's happening, guys. We're seeing we're seeing unionizing. I had a yeah. I was talking to someone about this. Um, 
who was struggling to like get people organizing in their game studio. And I was like, what really needs to happen? Like we're seeing this starting point. The first domino is really going to be the first time a union gets a contract. And it is like, here is what we want. Like we won mm-hmm. a 10% pay increase for everybody across the board. And just like all the, like once the fruits of that really are shown, then I think the dominoes will start falling and you'll start seeing this everywhere. But I think we need to, we need to yeah. reach that point first. Yeah. This feels like just a, the other side of the same pressure that you're describing when you talk about all these personnel issues and everybody burning out and leaving. I mean, this is just the flip side of that is workers have more power now and are exercising it. And it all just feels of a piece of mm-hmm. this broader of all these broader trends. It's pretty exciting, though. I mean, yep, there's agreed. also just the fact that unionization has been taking over yeah. other industries, too, which is really rad. Like, it's pretty cool to see yeah. Starbucks workers unionizing, for example, like people who even a few years ago, I would have been like, well, I can't even imagine a union existing for these workers. And then now we have unions for some of them and then other people that are in those same positions are like well such and such studio has a union for their QA people and QA people have been mistreated for so long that it's really gratifying to see QA people in particular pushing for unionization because it's just been horrifying to cover games for so long and know that the people who are fixing last minute problems with games that are so visible and that can complain about so much are also some of the lowest paid and unprotected people at the company. It's wild. So I'm excited for this. Yeah, it makes a sort of sense that the people who are treated the worst would be the ones to have the biggest incentive to unionize, though given that we unionized at our workplace when we were actually in a pretty mm-hmm. good place, mm-hmm. there is also something to be said for unionizing when things are good. So hopefully we'll see some of that yeah. as well yeah. in game development. Although that's tougher. It's a tougher sell. I think the Vodio Games Union is a good example of that. It was like the first North American video game union and Vodio Games is like a really small company. I think it's like a dozen people and they mm-hmm. just they were the first North American one and then that was around the time that the Activision Blizzard QA folks were also getting things together to unionize as well. But like some of the early examples that we've seen have been more the like the Gawker media style of we just like working here and we want it to stay that way. And I would say that the QA workers at the bigger studios are probably more inspired by stuff like the Starbucks union where it's like, okay, this small mm-hmm. group of people at one store were able to get together and do this. Who's to say that one group of QA workers at one town, maybe not every town, but one town can do this. And that's inspiring. It's like the kind of thing I think about when I'm feeling Definitely. very doom and gloom about the world. I'm like, well, there's a lot of unions, though. That's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Did you read that that long New York Times feature about the Amazon yes. workers that that unionized? That was a real story. a real feel good story. Damn, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, we'll link that in show yeah. notes. If anyone, I know, I'm sure people know that story like broadly, but if you <laughs> haven't read that article, it's it's a Sometimes good. Sometimes you just need to pick me up, and you're like, some people were very stubborn, and they just kept fighting for what they deserved. And hopefully, mm-hmm. QA workers everywhere are reading those stories too, and being like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just excited for us. The three of us kind of, we all know the benefits of unionization mm-hmm. firsthand since we were in a union and it saved our ass when we got sold to Univision. But like the, the, I'm excited for people to actually see the benefits for like one of these unions to actually like 
deliver on a contract yeah. that is mm-hmm. just like wow this is like awesome and like makes our lives so much it better. is a good feeling i remember it was we're not changing your benefits this year uh-huh. you're gonna have yep. the same health insurance because it's in your union yes. contract and i was like oh that's kind of nice i don't have yep. to deal with that now thanks union and it <laughs> yep. was just sort Amazing. of this first tangible thing where the union just kind of came through it was pretty mm-hmm. nice it was incredibly nice um i'm gonna combine these last two for one qu- quick last item so video game sales are down i don't know how much you guys have been paying attention to this but i've been paying just because bloom Bloomberg pays attention to this sort of thing. Um, and Bloomberg's sales paying are really you. down across the board. They are paying. <laughs> um, uh, I believe this last quarter it was like thirteen percent down over the previous quarter. Something crazy like that. Um, there are a lot of factors behind this, and all the all the game companies are doing earnings calls, and most of them are reporting losses. Um, a lot of factors. One is that uh, there's uh, inflation, obviously economic downturn. Um, another is that the pandemic is kind of... Yeah, we're of, not allowed to call it a recession. Legally, we can't call it no, that. It's, legally, we cannot say <laughs> recession. We cannot say the R word. Absolutely um, not. The pandemic is... People are just getting over the pandemic, and so they're less time spending inside playing video games. Um, pandemic isn't over, but people are acting like it's mm-hmm, over, so mm-hmm. that's that's the net effect. Um, and then, most importantly, there's a lack of big hits this year. After like a strong March or so, it feels like things have really died down. And that is in part because of... Of the other big item here, which is that everything is delayed. Uh, a, a short and incomplete list of games that were supposed to be out this fall, but are not. Starfield, Suicide Squad, Breath of the Wild 2, Forspoken, Midnight Suns, and Redfall, among many others, including ones that were delayed kind of internally and nobody knew about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, it's all kind of uh, uh, speaking of doom and gloom, the video game industry is in a, an interesting spot right now. Yeah. People just don't like games anymore. After Elden Ring, no, it was like, this is it. Games. This is the They're peak. Like, well, we can't do yeah, any better than not this. Elden Ring. And we're just going to pack it in. <laughs> There's now. a kind of a temporal uh, disorientation that happens here because we're now kind of really feeling the effects You're right. yeah. of the pandemic. Where when the pandemic first hit, there were kind of all these games that came out because a lot of stuff was almost finished. Because uh-huh. games just take so long to to make that you have to kind of adjust your clock for your expectations by years, which is really hard for people to Mm -hmm. do. Like you can't, it's just very hard to have something happen right now that is because of something that happened three or four years ago and then understand that in context. So this is just, it just feels like, oh, okay, now it feels like a pandemic is hitting the video game industry, Mm -hmm. Uh even though the pandemic, you know, hit two years ago. Yeah, although it felt like that last year because there were a bunch of delays last year too, and it's like, oh, pandemic's delaying everything. Right, but there was there was that sort of I guess we were looking forward to February, but there was that sense of well, but February is going to come yeah, and all these games are going to come yeah. out, and and it did, and they did. Yeah, remember the the headlines were like 2022 is going to be the best year ever for gaming, and then like we got mm. Elden Ring, and that was it, and now this fall it's like God of War, Ragnarok, uh, and <laughs> not much else. Saints Row. Yeah, and even God of War, it really feels like a miracle that that's coming. Mm-hmm. Especially because yeah. that logo reveal, that was <laughs> they really, they yeah. really stepped they really in it with that. Set us up for disappointment <laughs> with that. <laughs> they really, yeah, they upgraded after the logo. <laughs> but I think it's all everything we've discussed, like you said before, is uh, Kirk is tied together. It's like everything is delayed because of, uh, in large part, all these labor issues. I, I think, I really think that, like, if you're looking at a game and you're wondering why it's delayed, chances are very high that it's because that team does not have enough senior staff mm-hmm. right now. And it's not like a sexy answer and it's not even a tangible answer because like even if you're on a team, you might not realize that like, oh, man, if we had one other person here, this would be 
avoidable. Um, mm-hmm. But like the the a inability to retain staff and b inability to recruit staff, I think are really just adding up and causing problems all across the board. Or maybe inability yeah, to train staff up to become leaders. I mean, that's also something that I'm sure people are facing post pandemic if they're used to in person networking as the main way that people do things in the games industry and now that isn't the case anymore that is no longer available really i mean we didn't have e3 this year there's so the list goes on it's like there's so many things about this year that have been weird Mm -hmm. and different and a sign of change but mostly it's the unions thing i'm just gonna stay on that because i i gotta (laughs) i gotta keep my head above water it's a nice bright it's a nice bright point in all of this (laughs) I mean, if you're going to take the optimistic approach, you could say that, like, if unions were in place and if more people I felt mean, like yeah. they didn't, if, if unions were in place, then fewer people would burn out and leave. And so you'd have more senior staff floating around the video game industry in the first place. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, that 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 thing that you're talking about, Maddie, where senior staff leave and people don't get trained yes. up to replace them. I mean, we've been talking about that since I don't even know yeah. when. the idea of brain drain in the games industry yep. because people mm. burn out and that burnout has this long term cost. Or they leave for a tech industry job that pays way more and has better treatment of its employees than the games industry does like they're just Mm -hmm. like i'll take a software qa job because they're not gonna tell me that they're exploiting my passion and that's i should be so lucky to be here you know right and then as a result you don't get the new people Mm -hmm. to take over the flip side of um, remote work making it hard to train people is that remote work also makes it easier to retain people because like that's true if I'm, and diversify. Yeah, I wrote about this in Press Reset. If you're in Boston and you are at Irrational Games and you get laid off, you can either move across the country for a new job or like leave the video game industry and go into banking. Mm-hmm. And so or a lot of work at Harmonix and get laid off immediately right, after that. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now now that remote is an option, it just changes everything for people. So uh, it does. It does. I think this is just growing pains Mm -hmm. this is still being optimistic but it feels like growing pains of unionizing and remote work being more of a thing which to me is a good thing like companies getting used to remote work could really change everything in a great way for how games are made and how they work and how training works and how people communicate i'm i mean i've been working from home for ages and i love it so clearly i'm biased but (laughs) it has some huge perks so. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think we're at an inflection point for yes. the industry. Everything about the industry, everything we've talked about just feels like an industry that's in the middle of flux. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which can be good and can be bad. And we'll have to wait and see what the <laughs> what the net effects are. But uh, yeah, uh, here's rooting for good, good outcomes, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Here's hoping. Yeah. All right. Why don't we take a break uh, from all this news and we'll be back shortly for one more thing. Hey, it's John Moe, host of Depression Mode, a podcast about people's mental health journeys. Guess who we got? Guess who? It's Jamie Lee Curtis. I look at life now as the game of guess who, which is simply the process of elimination. I know what I don't like. That's how I found out who I am. Jamie Lee Curtis on addiction, show business, and fooling people, all on Depression Mode from Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Manolo, we have a show to promote. It's called Dr. Game Show. It's a family-friendly podcast where listeners submit games and we play them with callers from around the world. Oh, sounds good. New episodes uh, happen every other Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. It's a, it's a fast and loose oasis of 
absurd innocence and naivete. Are you writing a poem? No, and just saying things from my memory. And uh, it's a nice break from reality. <laughs> Is that, are we allowed to say that? I don't know, it sounds bad. It comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. It does not. <laughs> Come for the games and stay for the chaos. And we are back. Kirk, Maddie, it is time for one more thing. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the Resident Evil announcer voice that you're trying to do? Yeah, it's my new, new, I don't know, uh, game show where people like fight each other to the death. Uh, (laughs) One more thing. Um, (laughs) Maddie, 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 why don't you kick us off with a recent release? Uh, So (laughs) I've been playing the PC remaster of the 2018 video game Marvel's Spider-Man by Insomniac Games. Uh, This game's really freaking weird to play in 2022. Mm. I don't know if you two have revisited it recently, but boy. So even in 2018, people were like, is it a little weird that Peter Parker is unlocking surveillance towers that were built by a massive corporation and are all being used by the NYPD to listen in on every single cell phone conversation (laughs) that every single person in New York City has, and they're using that to stop crime. Oh, and also the towers are infallible. They never make a single mistake. People are either criminals or civilians. It's a total binary, and all you have to do is find the criminals and stop them and save the civilians. Did people think that was weird in 2018? Yes, Yes. of course they thought it was weird. But four years later, playing it is so... (laughs) disarming like actively i have to turn my brain off in order to enjoy the game i have to be like i need to ignore what i'm doing in the game because i can't i can't get on board with anything that i'm doing because even just like listening into people's conversations and being like oh these two guys are talking about a bank they're about to rob like i don't know i feel like the precogs and minority report or something i'm like they haven't even robbed the bank yet and i'm already swinging down there to murder these guys like damn it's (laughs) it's weird as hell it's 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 kind of it's a game that i'm sure was made many years before 2018 and this is kind of the problem we're talking about with gta where it's like by the time it came out in 2018, public perception of the police and how they operate in, in American society had shifted a lot. I mean, the way police were operating hadn't really changed that much, but public perception of them and of that behavior had shifted and people had different demands, different expectations even then. And they have very different demands in 2022 as well. Yeah, exponentially changed after 2020, I would say. And that's awesome. just an ongoing conversation. Yeah. But I would say the Ferguson uh, situation in 2014, I mean, that's the beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement, I believe. I mean, people knew even in 2018 that things were bad. (laughs) So it's not like, oh, this came out of nowhere. But it is it is interesting to play it now. But it's also kind of bittersweet because I'm like. There are parts of this game that have a lot of heart. There are moments that I really love. There's like this scene where Peter Parker and Mary Jane have a whole text conversation. And I loved it so much. Like the blocking of that scene is incredible. I think I wrote a whole Kotaku article about just that. Just about that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you did. It's like Kirk Hamilton catnip where it's like as Peter reads the text, he's like swinging through the streets of Manhattan and he like gets one text from her and he looks at and he's like, yes. And then he's swinging and then he like hears the beep again and stops and is like, 
oh, now she's mad at me again. It's like his body language is so great in that scene. And it makes up for the fact that everybody's constantly calling me on the freaking phone in this game. And I want people to just stop freaking calling me so that I can like navigate the city in peace. But I'm constantly getting phone calls. Credit to Yuri Lowenthal, who plays Spider-Man and is awesome. Yes, he's he's really good. Um, so there are there are some things in the game that I'm really enjoying, but you just can't get around the fact that you are upholding a police state and that it's kind of creepy. Like, remember at the end of The Dark Knight when Batman was like, mm-hmm. maybe it's a little weird to record everybody's cell phone uh, conversations, uh, even though it's going to help me find the Joker? Peter Parker never thinks that. I don't know why not. Well, <laughs> and yeah, Batman destroys it afterwards, uh, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, wild, wild so, well, stuff. Well, so this is something we're going to talk about, I think, in an upcoming episode because I've been playing this game as well. I do think uh-huh. it's it's... Appropriate that you mentioned Batman because I think a lot of these are yes. Batman mechanics from the Arkham games that are a little mm-hmm. bit awkwardly carried over to Spider-Man because some of the disconnect here is just that Spider-Man, like, he's not really the police guy. Like, like I know that he's helped the police. Yeah, but... he's just a guy. Like, that's kind of his backstory right. is that he's just a guy. Like, he's he's poor. He's, he's nobody. Yeah. It feels a little more like the Batman thing where he is, like, Batman's a little bit more fash than Spider-Man mm-hmm. in general. Um, yeah, and, so... and he's also got the ego go to match it you know like yeah. he he not only does the things he believes he's in the right for doing them well, th- whereas with peter you're like well peter probably wouldn't be on board for this right like personality right. spider-man is your neighborhood spider-man he's supposed to just be like helping people out at a more ground mm-hmm. level and a more civilian level i think but there's th- the yeah. whole question of like do video games lend themselves more to one style of hero than another style mm-hmm. of hero and this is a teaser for a conversation that we will get more in depth on in, a, in an upcoming <laughs> yeah episode. i have plenty more to say but that's my preview um, Kirk, what's your one more thing? I watched a movie that's really good. It's called Prey. It's on Hulu. It's the latest Predator movie. Um, it is really great, and I liked it a lot. Um, I'm sure everyone listening to this probably knows about this. How does it compare to Prey from 2017? Yeah, that's what I thought this was going to be because <laughs> I forgot about this movie. I was like, oh, the video game Prey. Okay. It's funny that the movie has the same name as the game, which I also really like. Um, it's... Well, it's similar in some ways. I mean, you are there's a lot of hunting and hiding, and uh, there's an extraterrestrial threat that mm-hmm. uh, that you know is, is sort of overpowering and requires ingenuity on the part of the heroes. So, Prey, the video game, and Prey the movie have some things in common, but this is a Predator movie, um, and it's just a great movie. I mean, it's a it's just an ass kicking action movie that's it's back to basics in a lot of ways for Predator in that it is just the story of an alien who shows up and starts killing people, and then the people have to get clever to defeat the alien. But the particulars make it really cool, and it's also just a beautiful-looking, really well-shot, just pleasurable movie to watch. So the hook of this movie is that it's taking place in the 1700s. It focuses on um, the Comanche Nation, and so it's a story of a bunch of Native Americans who suddenly are faced with a predator who lands on Earth to hunt some people because that's what predators do. Everyone knows the premise of the Predator movies, but yeah, that's the story. It's like the predator always shows up and it's this giant, totally unstoppable killing machine who is their whole culture. The predators have a whole culture where it's all about finding apex predators so that you like, it's like a rite of passage. You get sent to this planet and then you have to hunt. And so first they kill animals and then they discover humans and clearly humans at the top of the food chain. And then the humans and the predators fight. And that's the premise for every movie. It's a very neat way to set up an action movie. And I've liked pretty much every Predator movie, like different amounts. Um, I won't do my whole Predator ranking right now, but um, I like this one as much as the original. I mean, this might be my favorite 
favorite Predator movie. I, I guess I just saw it, so I have recency bias. But it's just a really, really cool story. Obviously, it's really neat to see a story that centers indigenous people, has a whole cast of indigenous actors, really takes that very seriously. There's even a version you can watch with a Comanche um, dub. So it's like the whole thing is, you know, all of the Native American characters are speaking Comanche. In the version that I watched, they're speaking English, and it's just there are characters who are French, like they're sort of um, French colonists who turn up at mm-hmm. one point, and they're just speaking French with no subtitles. And you you kind of understand that the Native American characters are speaking their own language, even though it's English and we understand them. And so that's kind of, it's a cool device and it works. But you can watch this with um, Comanche dub, which is really neat. But I don't know, it's just a great movie. Amber Midthunder, the star of this film, she's a sort of uh, young woman who wants to be a hunter mm-hmm. and clearly has a lot of potential, but that potential keeps being frustrated in various ways and she sets out to fight the predator and it just winds up being this great underdog kind of cat and mouse story it really focuses on hunting and survival there's a lot of logistics and like the practicalities of trying to track something you see a lot of animals hunting other animals it's a very a very clear theme it's directed by dan trachtenberg who made 10 cloverfield lane bing Kirk here, and I just I have to mention this because I somehow didn't mention it when I was talking about it, but this movie also has one of the greatest dog performances ever. I gather the dog was not actually trained to be in movies and was sort of a pain on the set, but oh man, this is like the best movie dog ever, and I just had to mention it because I love dogs so much. I know a lot of listeners do too. If you want to see an amazing dog in a movie, watch this movie. Okay, back to the show. Anyways, that's a bunch of facts about the movie. I just thought it was awesome. It was way better, actually, than I was expecting, and I was expecting it to be pretty good. So I highly recommend it. I really think people should check it out if any of that sounds good. It's called Prey. It's on Hulu. It's a rad movie. I'm going to watch it. It's good. Cool. My one more thing thing is a game called The Quarry. I've talked about this before when it first came out because I played it a little bit, but I have spent the past few nights playing on my TV with my wife, which is a much better way to play. And I must have played a lot more of it and can now uh, uh, kind of wholeheartedly say this game rules. So The Quarry, this is made by Supermassive <laughs> Games. It is a spiritual successor to Until Dawn, which came out a few years ago and was kind of this schlocky horror client gore movie um, slash thing, interactive movie slash thing, where you as a player like can leap between all these different characters who are these kind of like st- archetypes of teenagers in the woods being uh, being chased by some sort of possibly supernatural villain. So the quarry is very similar. You uh, play one of uh, eight or nine camp counselors at this camp. It's the last night of summer camp, so all the kids are gone, and you wind up there for an extra night for one reason or another. And turns out there are monsters all over the camp among other problems there are also these uh two guys who are hunting you for some reason um and uh it's got a great cast um even duplay is in it um david arquette is in it as the head counselor as the head of the the owner of the camp um a few other a few other recognizable faces people you will recognize um brenda song is in it um sam raimi's brother ted raimi is in it as this like corrupt cop speaking of cops speaking of fucked up cops (laughs) um 
But anyway, so uh, it's got this great mode called Couch Co-op where you and whoever you're sitting with can each pick a character and then the game will prompt you before it switches to a character and say, player one, your turn, player two, your turn. And that's how my wife and I have been playing, which is so much fun. So we've been switching off. We each like, we divided all the characters in half. So I took four and she took four. And and so we're just passing the controller back and forth. And so we each make the decisions as we go, which is just like incredibly fun. And it's so schlocky and stupid and like... Like the characters make such bad decisions constantly <laughs> that you're just yelling at them the whole time, being like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this? But um, you're the one making the decision. How can you yell at the characters? You should yell at yourself. Well, you're they also they make decisions uh, mm. outside of <laughs> that what you you're don't doing. get to pick. And those yeah, are the stupid some, ones. There's some things you don't get to pick, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. And there's some things that like don't make sense or like are clearly weirdly stitched together because there's so many different permutations. Mm-hmm. But still it's so much fun. I've been having such a blast and it's so much fun to play with someone else because it's like watching this interactive movie where you both get to be in control and see how things unfold and I'm very excited to see if we can make it all night without losing any of our counselors (laughs) so we shall see Um, but I did just get to this part I think I'm probably halfway through the game because we just got to this part where like um, a certain character is explaining to us a lot of what's been going on and it's been very interesting to hear that and uh, yeah I won't I won't spoil anymore but there's some cool stuff in this game and yeah I'm really enjoying it go check it out this game has been really like under the radar this summer but because it came out in June and I don't think I've seen many people talking about it but yeah the quarry it rules people should play it mm-hmm. nice. I want to check it out I have it downloaded yeah. But that's Same. that's as far as I got. I think you will both enjoy <laughs> plugging it to your. This is not a good Steam decky. This is a good plug mm. it to the big screen. Play it with your significant other. Play it with some friends. It's that kind of game. Have the horror movie experience as it deserves. Exactly. Right exactly. On. The only I guess the only downside is you can't like binge it in a night. So it's kind of like it's it unfolds in different chapters. I think they're like ten or twelve chapters. So if you think of them as each as a an episode of Netflix, and that's a good way of doing it. So like spend a weekend, play through it all in a weekend or a week. The Quarry um, by Supermassive Games. All right, that is it for this week's episode. Kirk, it is Maddie. See you both next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.